Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We talked last week at length about the line which has been censored out of our Aleinu, which has reappeared in most Orthodox and Israeli Sidurim, sometimes in parentheses. Aleinu Shabbat Ladon Akola Tate Gulalo Tserbreshit. Then the the censored outline is for they um oh sorry they bow down to emptiness and vanity and pray to a god that does not avail. By the way, I didn't say this last week. That line is from Isaiah, Yeshayahu, wasn't made up by the author of the Elenu. So they bow down to useless gods and where va'anachnu korim umishachavim, right? While we worship the king of the king of the kings, right? So they worship no gods, empty gods. We worship the real God. That's the original formulation of Elenu. And then with that line, in it, it actually makes sense um, and is balanced literarily all the way through that point. So we talked about that at length last week. Uh, and we talked at length last week also about the history of the censorship. Uh, and I'm not going to go back into that. So then, um, and I apologize, my internet provider was doing some work and my internet got cut off. And that's why class ended very abruptly because I was cut off. So then... I'm going to lead in and toss it to Warren, uh, and then I'm going to have some comments about Warren's comments. So then Warren made a comment, which I will paraphrase and then allow you to say it in your own words, which was something like, well, I don't interpret that to mean other tribes with their idols, that all their idols are no gods, which maybe was the original intent of the line. I interpret that to mean the other things that people may worship as ultimates are ultimately of no avail as opposed to worshiping God. Warren, now you say it in your words, please. Well, uh, it's, it's um, basically your it's materialism. You're, 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 it, it, it's a criticism of people who are not or materialistic and are, um, you know, don't, focus on the spiritual on god on on love uh, so it's it's a criticism of a of a way of being it's not a criticism of any particular nation and that is validated by the second paragraph of elenu which says we hope everybody comes around okay and and also i have one other thing to say in my um i have an art scroll here yep. basically there's a guy a rabbi, Manasseh ben Israel, yes. who refuted the charge again and again. Yes. That's what he's saying here. Right. So, um, so Warren, by the way, and I'm not sure, Warren, if you are making the point that that is what the line means or that is what the line means to you. Because I would want to contend that that's an interpretation. I don't have an objection to interpretation, and I want to talk about that at some length. Um, I think that's an interpretation. I'm not sure that is the original shot, because 
we have to say, regardless of what Menashe ben Israel said um, in the 1600s, it talks about other nations. It uses the common biblical word for other nations, other peoples. So it, it, I think what it's talking about is belief systems that put other things at the center rather than God. I think that's a reinterpretation. I think the pshat, the original meaning and context, actually is those other nations, nations in the simple sense of the word, worship deities that are useless. We worship the one real God. So I think in context, that is the historical, that is the shot meaning of it. And I think anything about materialism, which I don't disagree with, I think it's an interpretation. And I think you're saying this is how you interpret it. And therefore, it does not trouble you at all to include that line. Okay. Well, okay. first of all, when you talk about the historical, I think you have to look at two aspects. Uh-huh. One is when it was originally written. Yeah. That particular line from Isaiah, okay, yep. and when Elena was written, okay, correct, and and so when Elena was written, it was you know Christianity was the dominant you know religion, and I and I would agree probably that it was put in there to counteract you know it probably did refer to to Christianity, but when the original line was written. Um, it's, it's, uh, it was, um, you know, I, I really don't know the history of that, okay. but I, Got it. it was, you know, idolatry. But the other thing is that, um, uh, we have the Noahide commandments, right? And so you can't say that, you know, presumptively other nations are, are, you know, a Vodazora. Okay, because we, because we in the Torah, it, it, it include the Torah includes the other nations as being worshiping, you know, the one God. So that's another issue that I, I think I think, you know, I think this should be rewritten, to be honest, the whole thing, because I think when you take out that that vanity line, um, it, it's still the, it's still problematic at separating us. From other nations. Okay. Uh, I thought you were going to take a strong stand for, I have no trouble with it because of the way I interpret it. Now you're backing off from that point by saying we should rewrite it. So pause, hold on. So Warren raises a couple of things, which is when we talk about in general, in a, in a, let's, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to, okay, let me tell you what I'm going to do. We could go on and talk about the rest of the Alenu now. Or we could pause on this point of how do we deal, I want to make it a more general question, how do we deal with potentially troubling passages? Um, I think we're going to do today the latter, because since this issue was brought up, I feel like if we say, well, let's hold on to that for another three weeks, so when, let's get and finish Alenu, I feel that by then it's not going to I feel this is the issue has come up, so let's talk about it now, and we'll get back to finishing Alenu. So Warren is making a um, few points. One is, uh, or I'm going to say it in my words, um, one definition of faith, which I read once years ago by someone, is how a living community lives with its tradition. Faith is how a living community lives with its tradition. 
Now, tradition can mean we have this line. And then the question is, well, which living community are we talking about? Are we talking about Isaiah and his hearers in the year, whatever, in two and a half millennia ago? Are we talking about whoever wrote the Alenu and included this line? And we said that that might be as early as Rav in the Talmud, might be as early as the 200s, might be as late as, uh, I don't know, say the 600s. We also said that originally Alenu was said only on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and then somewhere around the 12th century-ish, 13th century, it migrated into the everyday Sidur in every service. In other words, somehow or other, the Jewish group mind decided that this prayer was noteworthy enough, but whatever it is that it meant, we ought to say it three times a day rather than three times a year. So presumably that passage had some meaning to them, okay? And that might be different from the meaning to Manasseh ben Israel in the 1600s. And that might meaning might be different to people today or to different people today, right? So um, when we say, what is the line, I'm going to put it in air quotes, what does the line mean? That question is a simplistic question. And the answer, the partial answer is, what does it mean to who and when? So I just want to put that out there. Okay. Um, cause obviously it can mean different things to different people in different settings. By the way, it can mean different things to each one of us at different moments in our lives. So let's take this in example, as an example of, I will call it a potentially troubling line. You may say, one might say, I do not find it troubling at all because I believe it literally, or I do not find it troubling at all because I interpret it to be about materialism and not to be about people who worship deities with other names. You might say, I find it very troubling. Um, let's put it in the category of potentially troubling lines. Let's put other things in that category. Thank you, God, for not marrying a woman. That for not making me a woman. Right. Uh, here's another one. Hashem, please restore the animal sacrifices to the temple in Jerusalem, right? In Ritzay, the Ishe Israel, the animal sacrifices, or the prayer in the middle of Musaf on Shabbat. <clears throat> so let's batch, to, and, and you might have other ones that you want to add in there. By the way, I was discussing this with a rabbi who, there's a line in the second paragraph of the Shema, Veha Elilim. May all the idols be swept away, um, which is something that Warren was referring to indirectly. And personally, I'm not troubled by that lie because in my mind, that means materialism, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the things that other people worship, power, beauty, status, money, et cetera. That's what it means to me. I'm not troubled by it. This rabbi said to me, oh, I, he's actually really troubled by that line because in its original context, Elil really means little idols, okay? And he's troubled because I can't remember exactly what he said, but like Sister So-and-so, the Buddhist nun who he knows is a lovely human being and she has her little statues and he does not want to, and she leads a meaningful life which makes the world a better place. And he feels troubled by praying that all those little concrete representations of other people's beliefs should be swept away from the world. So he thinks of it concretely and thus it troubles him. 
I think of it metaphorically, and thus it troubles, it doesn't trouble me. So this is just an example of how it's so individual and idiosyncratic. Get rid of all the Elilim, the idols, that doesn't bother me. But the line, they worship nothingness and vanity, and we pray to the one real God, that line troubles me, whereas that line might not trouble someone else because of how we live with it. So I want to pause for a moment to just abstract from this the question, which we did talk about at some length when we talked about, thank you, God, for not making me a woman, right? The brachan, brachot hashachar, the traditional blessing, where we talked about, and I'd like to kind of review it now and go back to it because it really does bear on our discussion of Aleinu, how we, a faith community, what are our options, what are the options for dealing with a potentially troubling line. Potentially troubling is, which sort of means, I don't know if I want to say that line because I'm not sure I really believe that. That's what I mean by potentially troubling. Not not even I'm not sure I really believe that, but because I think I might believe the opposite of that. I think that's offensive. I don't want that to be a part of my prayers. Now, again, now, now we're not talking about something that's in the Tanakh, or in the Talmud, there might be a lot of things in the Talmud that we say, I disagree with that and I find that offensive, but that's just a text that we read and study. That's different than liturgy, which is something we're supposed to pray. So presumably praying something, whatever that means, means something different than something you read and study. Okay. You might read something in the Talmud and say, well, I'm not going to censor that out of the Talmud. I just don't, I just think it's nuts. You know, um, you know, that that ma- that maggots, you know, maggots form from mud. You know, uh, you know, there are all sorts of scientifically ridiculous things in the Talmud. Um, and there are all sorts of things that we might find morally objectionable in the Talmud. I'm reading tractate. We're doing tractate women, Nashim, um, in Daf Yomi, the daily page of Talmud for the last few months. So trust me, there are many really objectionable things that we would read about in the Talmud uh, when it talks about, you know, views on um, women and male-female relationships. But that's a text. So I could say, all right, they said that then, and I disagree with it. That's different than you're asking me to get up and daven this every single day, where presumably I ought to have some belief behind the words that I say. Okay? So what are our potential options? Again, we talked about this when we talked about Shalom Asani Isha, who did not make me a woman. But what are our potential options for dealing with passages in the liturgy that are potentially troubling? So Warren said one of them, which is, I interpret it in a way that does, I'm going to paraphrase you, Warren. And maybe this isn't exactly what you said, but I'm going to make it into an example of something. I understand it in a way that I find it not troubling, and it does not really matter to me what the original author or what some previous generation meant when they wrote it or said it. I don't care. That's not what it means to me. It means something else to me. And so I leave it in as is. I interpret it in a way that I understand it. Um, This approach, by the way, has the advantage of some intellectual honesty, because I'm not saying something that I don't believe in. And it also has the virtue of conservative conservatism with a lowercase c, right? I don't need to change the text. That's one option. Other options, Michael, then Larry. And I want you to stay on topic, please. 
Okay. Not go off topic. Other options, Michael. Yes. Well, one of course is to omit it altogether. Okay. So another option is I just omit it. So we could say, so let's just say our liberal Cedarine, I'll just call conservative and reform reconstructionist, have elected to not re- not reintroduce the line. Most of the orthodox Cedarine have have elected to reintroduce the line. The liberal Cedarine have elected to not reintroduce the line. Right. So I just leave it out. There's a blessing, Shiloh Asani Isha. I just don't say that blessing. That's an option. Michael, you want to give me another option? No, I want to expand upon it just a little and with a question. I'm going to keep this very limited because I don't want to go off topic. Go ahead, Michael. If the the Christians objected to the... Nope, 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 out of bounds. I'm sorry. I want to stay on the topic of how can we deal with a potentially troubling paragraph in our liturgy. So... I reinterpret it. There, I can think of about half a dozen ways. I reinterpret it. I just skip it. Larry? Okay, I thought of four. So we, I might give we you said, two and let other one, someone else speak. Go ahead. Well, so you said we, we, we eliminate it, we reinterpret it, we change it, okay. or we ignore it. Okay, so change it and ignore it. Let's talk about change it and ignore it. So change it means... That's what we've done in the, for example, that's what we've done in conservative uh, Sidur with Shaloh Asani Isha. We changed it to Asani Bit, Shasani Bit Salmo. So changing it ha, uh, uh, has the advantage of, um, you have a foot in each place. You're keeping tradition, but you're also changing, you're also correct. The original. Correct. Um, I will show you probably not today, the Israeli Masorti Sidur offers an alternative line to they bow down to nothingness. Um, the American liberal Cedarim in general have not done that. They've just admitted it, you know, and the, it's a foot in one, one each place. You could also say, uh, um, depending on what your substitution is, it could have some, I'm going to say, literary merit to it. One thing we talked about last week was how with nothing before it, there's sort of a lack of balance and it doesn't exactly make sense um, if something is omitted. And then if you put an alternative, that perhaps can keep either literary rhythm. It's an acknowledgement that something was there. It's also an acknowledgement that we are a living and evolving community. It's actually a commem- sorry, a commemoration of the thing that was there. So Sha'asani bit Salmo in Berchot Shahar is somehow an acknowledgement that Shaloh Asani Isha was once there, as opposed to, I skipped the line entirely. Most people then open an orthodoxy door and they say, oh, I never saw this before. Where did it come from? It ignores the fact that someone else, was, that something else was there before. Hold on, Warren. And then Larry's, your fourth one was ignore it, which means you say it, but you don't pay any attention to it. Right. So some people say, and by the way, that can be two different ways. One could be, I say it, even though I really don't believe it, but I don't believe in changing words in the Siddur. I just don't think about it. Or it could be, I say it. I don't think I believe it, but I leave it in as a challenge to me. You know, if we changed everything in the Siddur, depending on my mood and what I believe that day of the week, we'd be changing the Siddur all the time. And that's not how tradition works. And so I leave it in. I don't believe it today, 
Maybe I'll believe it tomorrow. Maybe someone else will come up with another interpretation. I'm not going to think about it too much. Is that a fair, Larry, is that a fair uh, amplification? Yeah, exactly. Okay. exactly. Okay, Warren, back to okay. you. I th- okay, number one, um, I never have time to say all the prayers anyway because the, the Bakore is going so fast. Uh-huh. So I pick and choose the prayers that are most meaningful to me at uh-huh. the time. Yep. And if there's something that troubles me, I would just skip it. On the other hand, if, it, if this is something that is actually being recited uh, by the Balkore, that it's a public statement, I think then uh, it's incumbent upon the uh, congregation to, um, you know, make a decision on, uh, you know, either revise it or, or, or omit it. Aha. So now you're making another distinction about public versus private. So, for example, in shuls, which is most shuls, where the Chazan recites all of Pesuke, uh, all of um, Birchot HaShachar, the, the beginning of Birchot HaShachar, the, what we call the, the uh, Nisim Shebechol Yom, the daily miracles allowed, then we have to decide as a community, does the Chazan say, Shalom Asani Isha? Or Shasani Bitsalmo, right? Because that's right. a public recitation. Um, if we recite the Alenu publicly aloud together, that's a public recitation. That might be different than what I say privately. By the way, personally, I have a number of changes in my private Amida, which I will not share with you right now, some of which may be halachically valid some of which may not be halachically valid, according to traditional halacha. But I don't say them when I'm the shliach tzibur and leading davening, because that's not what they asked me to do. They asked me to just say the words in the sidur. Okay? So another, another fifth option is public versus private. You know, what I do privately, that's my thing. I don't advocate for it. It's not necessarily any of your business. I don't want to talk about it. That's different than what we have the chazan say aloud. Okay, so that's the fifth approach. Any other approaches anyone can think of? Probably can I just talk about the last one for one second because yes. I'm sure you have the same experience I do, which is when I'm asked to be shliach tzibur in a um, in a synagogue where they say shalom asani isha, I say it. Okay, I don't diverge from the printed text when it's not the. Um, okay, and the truth is, I hardly think about it. In okay. other words, I'm not saying that's me. I just say it out of respect for where it is that I'm davening. Yes. When I'm leading, but not okay. when I'm saying private. And some people would have trouble doing that. Would you agree that some people would have trouble doing that? I think some people wouldn't do that. That's why they would not put themselves in that position. Or right. They'd say, no, nah, I don't want to lead davening. That's okay. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Right. right. Okay. So we have a number of approaches here. I, I say it, but I don't think about it. At one, ex- I'm going to say two extremes. One is, I say it, I leave it in, conservative, lowercase c. I don't, I disagree with it. I don't think about it. I ignore it. Other extreme, I disagree with it. I cut it out. All right. Other positions, I reinterpret it. I keep it, but I reinterpret it. I sub, I change it. I substitute it. Right. Um, we say it publicly, but I don't say it privately. By the way, we left out one more, the famous conservative compromise of the 40s and 50s, which is I leave it in in Hebrew, but I don't translate it in English. Or there are a lot of other things, even in the contemporary conservancy dream, that we leave in in Hebrew, 
but the English translator sort of smooths off the rough edges. Okay. Um, some people like that approach. I think what's originally behind that approach is if you're a, something that I sort of object to, because I think the ideology behind it is if you're the kind of person who davens in Hebrew, this is not going to trouble you. If you're the kind of person who davens in English, this will trouble you. And so we'll fudge it for you. Um, it's, it's kind of intellectually, it can be intellectually dishonest. There are editions of the Silverman and from the forties and fifties, the black Sidur that many of us grew up with in conservative schools for Shabbat uh, and festivals where there's actually stuff that's in the Hebrew that is just omitted in the English. Right. And that's kind of the ideology behind it. Um, and then the more contemporary version of that is, I will say, cause it, cause the more contemporary ethos would recognize that that's intellectually dishonest. The more contemporary version is what I would refer to it as massaging it in the English. Okay. Um, okay. So we have a variety of ways. So if we can think about how we deal with Shaloh Asani Isha in Berchot Shahar, thank you God for not making me a woman. Uh, by the way, nice example of this is the Isha Israel, right? So in Ritzay, blessing number 17, we say Hashem, Except in, in the Amida Hashem, accept our prayers and restore your worship to Zion. The Ishe Israel Utfilat in the traditional Sidur, the Ishe Israel Utfilatam Biavat Kabel Bratzon, and the fire offerings of Israel, which means the sacrifices, and their prayers, may you accept graciously, which means in the future, when the temple's rebuilt, there will be sacrifices, there will still be prayers. Hashem, please accept both of them. Okay. So in the conservative Sidurim, um, at a certain point, I don't know, maybe what came before, uh, what's the high holiday one before Lev Shalem? It's a conservative high holiday one. I can't remember what it's called. It has a gray cover. Anyway. So, you know, at a certain point, like here, let's look in hours. Let's have a quick look. I'm just looking at it. I think it's gone. I think Isha Israel is gone. In hours. I think it's left as an option. Is it an option? I think Let's so. see. I'm looking in the slim page. Oh, I thought you were talking about the mock source. No, nope. slim, it's gone. Page 41, it's gone. So the Isha Israel <laughs> and the fire offerings of Israel in this is edited like 70s, 80s. It's gone. We took in it in out. The late, in the late Shalane. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to get to the right. Okay. So then, uh, because we don't believe that anymore, restoration of animal sacrifices. Then Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanovsky, who's a conservative rabbi in Anche Chesed in New York, wrote an article in Conservative Judaism magazine probably 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, in which he said, look, over the centuries, there have been all kinds of interpretations of the Isha Yisrael. Maybe originally it meant sacrifices. By the way, some people interpret it to mean, I don't mean to offend anyone, trigger alert, Victims of the Holocaust who went up in smoke. Hashem, accept this. Right? Right? So there is that metaphoric interpretation of Isha Israel. I didn't make it up. Uh, Jeremy says, Rabbi Kalmanovsky says, oh, but there are Hasidic interpretations, uh, Kabbalistic interpretations that it means the good deeds of the righteous. The good deeds of the righteous are like sacrifices. It says, Isha Israel, there are passages, interpreters of the Sidur, not from the year 2022, but hundreds of years ago, who said 
Ve'ishe Israel, the fire offerings in Israel, this means the good deeds of the righteous, which are offered up like sacrifices to God. So we're saying God accept that. So Jeremy says, uh, in favor of conservatism with a lowercase c, why don't we just keep that passage, keep those two words, and say that's what it means. Uh-oh, I'm going to have to stop in a moment. We're running out of time, and we'll continue next week. Larry, I'm sorry, I'm not going to get to your point. You can hold on to it next week. Uh, till next, But I want to say the last thing. So in the new Machzor Lev Shalem, in the Machzor Lev Shalem, the editor, Rabbi Edfeld, put it back in in brackets, and he has a note on the side, taking account of Rabbi Kalmanovsky's point, point. Apparently, he got a firestorm of pushback from conservative rabbis who wrote to him saying, what, now we're re-including praying for sacrifice, restoration of animal sacrifice, even though he had put the footnote there on the side, the side note. And so the result is in the Shabbat and festivals, Sidur Lev Shalem, with the red cover, it's gone, right? So same Sidur series, Lev Shalem, in the Machzor for High Holidays, which came out first, it's there in brackets with a little explanation. In the Sidur Lev Shalem for Shabbat, which came out subsequently, he took it out because there was so much pushback. So again, an example of, you know, this issue of this question of how living faith communities live with potentially troubling passages can be answered in different ways. He was then trying to say, okay, let's leave it in and reinterpret it. Some people said, oh my God, here's this objectional thing that we got rid of and you're putting it back in. And he responded to that and left it out in the next edition. There is no weekday Lev Shalem out yet. I assume in the weekday Lev Shalem, it'll still stay out. But of course, I don't know that. Okay. I'm sorry we're running over. I apologize for having the last word. We're going to stop right now. We need to stop and we'll continue next week. And I think next week we'll actually talk some more about the Alenu. I think we've sort of mm-hmm. plumbed this meta issue well enough and we'll come back to the text of the Alenu. So thank you all and have a good day. Be Stay healthy. Be Torah. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.